Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sports scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together, we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Today on Sport Faith Life, we welcome Kristen Graf Kalavik, Associate Professor at the Norwegian School of Theology, Religion, and Society, where, among other things, she studies the intersections between vulnerability, faith, and sport. A fascinating topic, suggesting we may actually find strength in being vulnerable in sport. Lots to cover, so let's get started. Well, we're so excited to have Kristen with us today. Kristen, tell us a little bit about sport in your life. Yeah, you know, I'm from Norway, so I'm basically born with my skis on my feet, I guess. So, <laughs> so um, cross-country skiing, it has uh, has been an, and it's still an important part uh, of my life. Um, and as a child of course uh, in weekends i went cross-country skiing uh, in the winters but uh, in my everyday life um, i went to the gymnastics and uh, as a teenager i started to play soccer uh, but honestly um, soccer was for me mostly about the social thing i guess um, i i come from a small village and um and there were it was not really many sports to choose between uh and all my friends went to soccer so also i started to to play soccer and i really like the social thing about it uh but i i never got really really good uh, in that uh, i loved running though uh also <laughs> uh when i played soccer uh and um and running has been kind of the sport that i i have been doing uh, from I was a teenager and up until now, and um, increasingly uh, more and more, especially the last 10 years, I've been uh, been doing a lot of long distance running and, and really, really enjoyed that. Um, and, and then, of course, as a mother, uh, sport to me right now is also about following up, following up my my children in their sport activities um and it's also about you know hiking uh going hiking with my family uh and i think brian you have a dog too right who loves to yes i do yes (laughs) join you for sports and and also my dog like like this morning i was going on on a cross country uh, ski hiking or ski exercise, and when my dog uh, recognizes that, I start to put on my my cross country uh, clothes. He's just uh, totally into it and jumps mm-hmm. up, and down, and, and eager to come come with me. So, yeah. So that's I think that is uh, my sporting life right now. Mm-hmm. It sounds sounds pretty rich. I think there's plenty we can get into a little bit later. Thanks for sharing that, Kristen. How about faith in your life? Yeah, faith. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, and I was baptized into the Church of Norway, uh, which is a Lutheran uh, folk church, a Lutheran church. And uh, I'm still still a member of that church. And 
I think that, um, yeah, when I think about it, Christian faith and especially some of the stories in the Bible have been kind of formative in my life. Um, for instance, if you think about, yeah, let's say that a story about the Good Samaritan. It's it's one of the stories that has uh, contributed to shape the way I look at the world and uh, how I orient myself, my values, uh, and how I relate to other people, or at least how how I would want to relate to to other people. Um, I also think that the concept of grace has been important to me, and then. Uh, not at least grace in terms of how we relate to one another as as human beings. Uh, I believe that to meet one another and ourselves with grace and with compassion um, is one of the most important things we can do do in life and and also in the in the context of sports. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kristen, that is uh, really well said. We really appreciate the way that you frame that, and it helps us get to know you a little bit. One of the things we like to do also is ask a question about a hobby, and you've already told us about cross-country skiing or something else in your life that uh, helps the audience get to know you. Just like you, I like to go out and cross-country ski, and my dog gets more excited than than anything. Is there something else that you might point to to say, hey, you know what, this is this is also a, a big part of my life? Uh, yeah, a big part of my life. I, I might have to disappoint you when I say that I, I want to mention running again because uh, running is actually, uh, I think, uh, I remember one of the kids were going to interview me uh, when uh, when uh, uh, she was uh, younger. She was, I think, around eight or nine years old and they were going to interview their parents. And she she asked me um mom wh- what's your hobby and i said oh really i don't I, I don't think i have any hobby i i have you the family and work and and friends and and she said oh really mom you do have a hobby and you know that's <laughs> right. and i yeah right <laughs> that, that's totally true so running is my my hobby but um of course i have other things i like to do too and right now we are on vacation um in our cabin and and being here i love for instance uh, playing board ga- games with my family such as alias rummy cup scrabble and those things uh so yeah that that's one thing well uh, that's a terrific transition too to try to launch us into this conversation that we wanted to talk to you about we really appreciate your interest in sport and faith and also your scholarly work and that's what's really exciting right now there's a new book coming out from uh, Routledge which is called Training the Body Perspectives from Religion Physical Culture and Sport it's not it's not out yet but I think it'll be out in about a month or so and you have a chapter you have a co-authored chapter in that book and the the first part of that title is Holy Marathon which has us all intrigued can you give us a little context for that work yeah, uh, <clears throat> the the starting point of that work was actually I was going to Frankfurt Marathon uh, some years ago, and before I went there, I I looked into the uh, program of the weekend, uh, the marathon weekend, and and something um, kind of surprised me, and that was on Saturday evening 
the evening before the marathon e- marathon event or the marathon race, um, it was two things on the program. It was, you know, the pasta party uh, where you can load up with carbos. <laughs> and then there was one more thing. And that was an, a, a Christian ecumenical service that was actually part mm. of the official program of the marathon. And and I went there and, and um, uh, as a scholar uh, who, you know, you, you asked me about uh, faith. And, and for me, I'm, I'm really, I have this scholarly interest in, in religion and, and faith. I, I'm curious about what, what role that faith and religion play in, in lives of, of people. And, uh, and then I got interested in these marathon services and and how christian faith uh, is interpreted in this you know this um uh, boundary area between religion and sports and between religion and marathon running uh, so when i went home from from this uh, frankfurt marathon i started to collect sermons um both on the internet but also by contacting people who I found out that had been um, uh, holding such uh, such sermons because I found out that such Christian services, it was not unusual that they were actually held in the context of a marathon run and also other international sporting events. So that became the starting point. And then I, uh, a colleague of mine, Sturela Stolset, and myself, uh, we started to analyze these sermons in order to see how is Christian faith and sports <laughs> interpreted in this boundary area between uh, between sports and and the church. And so, what did you what did you find from from these sermons? I mean, you had this one example from the Frankfurt Marathon, and it's really interesting that there's. Uh, there's there's preparation for the body with the carb the carbo loading the night before, and then preparation for the soul with the the Christian ecumenical service uh, beforehand. I'm curious what what you and your colleague found uh, happened to be strong elements of the content of these these pre race sermons. Yeah, um, when we analyzed them, we had this um, <clears throat> particular interest in how how bodily vulnerability was interpreted. Because um, vulnerability, um, uh, human vulnerability, it is in sports, it is very, very often um, associated with something negative as, as a problem, uh, as weakness and as some, something you need to, to combat and overcome. You know, the, the ideal is to be strong and, and, and vulnerability yeah, is a problem and a, weak, and a weakness that you need, need to overcome. However, in, in Christian faith uh, and Christian anthropology, there is a more ambivalent notion of vulnerability. Um, you know, uh, the, the uh, stories about how there can be found uh, strength in, in, uh, in, in weakness and, and how, you know, the paradigmatic story uh, about how death can be turned into life, you know, how, how, how uh, vulnerability is also something more ambi- uh, ambitious. And 
in recent um, research in ethics and theology, or in some recent uh, research, also in sports medi medicine, one has started to question this one-sided notion of vulnerability as, as weakness, that maybe there is something more into vulnerability. Maybe vulnerability also can have its own kind of strength, as that vulnerability can be a source for resilience, for development, and for the flourishing of life. And um, yeah, uh, so with this interest in how vulnerability also can mean something positive. Um, we started to analyze these sermons. And I, I don't know, do you want me to come with some examples of the positive, po uh, uh, the possible positive side of vulnerability? Uh, yeah, I, I could mention just so you get uh, an uh, image of what we were kind of looking for. Um, you know, for instance, if um, I can use an example from the world of sports. Uh, if you are a ski jumper, not very many of us are. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> uh, but uh, a ski jumper sitting on the top of a ski jump hill, you know, uh, if she or he is going to jump, uh, she has to let go of the bar. You know, she, she has to expose herself for vulnerability. That is a vulnerable condition. But in that vulnerable, vulnerable condition, she can also experience the joy of, of jumping. And she can liter literally, speaking, be flying high. <laughs> uh, and, and that goes to many areas of life. For instance, love. Uh, to love is, uh, you expose yourself to vulnerability uh, when you love. So, so vulnerab uh, the vulnerable dimension of human being is not only the, the capacity of being hurt, but also the capacity of growth uh, and of life flourishing. So we wanted to look into these Christian sermons to see how is bodily vulnerability interpreted in these sermons. And what we found was that in most of the sermons, it was the conventional notion of vulnerability as weakness that we found. So in most of the sermons, it was the uh, ideal of bodily strength that was emphasized and uh, vulnerability was emphasized as um, something you have as weakness and something you need to push through, uh, both in in sports, but actually also uh, in matters of faith. It was uh, very much this emphasis on on uh, they some of the sermons drew parallels between just as you in in when you practice for a marathon, you have to practice discipline. Uh, and you have to kind of, um, uh, and then you also in matters of faith has to practice discipline. You have to kind of become strong. Uh, but then there were these uh, exceptions. Uh, and the exceptions we, interesting, interestingly, interestingly, sorry about my English, but <laughs> we found it in, in stories about hitting the wall. Um, you know about that experience? Yes, yeah, that's a, that's a known statement around here as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think mo most marathon runners they fear this experience of hitting the wall, which is um, uh, around. Uh, it happens to some runners around often around thirty kilometers. 
I guess that is 20 miles. And it's the experience of how the, you can um, suddenly get this increased fatigue and a slowing of pace. Uh, and, and you can basically, you can feel that you actually hit a wall. Uh, and in the sermons, because um, some of the preachers, they were also runners themselves. And when they told about these experiences of hitting the wall, the wall um, they told about it as almost spiritual experiences of how actually uh, the experience, the vulnerable experience of hitting the wall could uh, become a, a transformative spiritual experience. So, and also a source for, for, uh, for, for something new uh, uh, and growth. So we found that rather interesting, yeah. Well, it's a fascinating concept, Kristen, this idea of vulnerability in sport. There's uh, cross-country teams that I've seen here in the United States, and they'll sometimes wear, you know, matching T-shirts. And on the back of, of one T-shirt, I at least remember the idea that it says, you know, sweat is weakness leaving the body. The the general idea that weakness is something that we need to to get rid of uh, for us to perform at our highest level. And you're kind of bringing in this new concept, or at least contemplating this new idea, that this vulnerability bodily vulnerability for sure, but also psychological vulnerability, that fear of holding on to the bar for the ski jumper, or really fear of uh, fear of getting hurt, but even fear of losing. So there might be that sort of psychological vulnerability, taking a risk. And I think there's a lot of places where we might see this connect in a variety of sports. And so I know that uh, you, you may not want to take this leap, but I'm just wondering as you think about this concept and apply it, how would you help athletes uh, think about this as being potentially a new avenue? Athletes or coaches, help them think about how uh, this might be a new way to approach uh, performance and training and, um, you know, the, those those sticky times. Uh, I'll just mention, you know, I, I think I hit the wall when I'm running about a half a mile in. Uh, I must be special. <laughs> so, you know, that that's uh, a little different. But I think there are parallels in other sports where um, hitting the wall is not the same thing. But there are parallels where there's this moment where you feel like you can't do what you've prepared yourself to do. How do yeah. we how do we interpret that? Yeah, just just tell us what you might think of that. Think uh, actually, I've got some help in thinking about that because I've been thinking a lot about that um, recently. And uh, there are some few sports studies, some studies in in, in uh, sports medicine, medicine that uh, that discusses this. Um, uh, and and uh, one uh, and what I see there in those studies, and I I agree, is that one of the positive sides of vulnerability and of talking about vulnerability and being true about vulnerable experiences is that you can get a more realistic view on yourself, uh, a more realistic anthropology. And it can also kind of help you to, uh, to acceptance, to accept uh, also those feelings as part of what it means to be 
uh, be an athlete. And if if you talk about it, like in a team, in a soccer team or uh, another kind of a sporting team, if you talk about vulnerability, that might also create a culture for sharing. I mean, not sharing everything, because some part of the vulnerable condition of being a, a person we and an athlete, we prefer to only talk with some few about. But to share about the vulnerable condition can also help create a, a more um, trusting atmosphere uh, in a team. And I also think that it can um, help you to uh, uh, to develop, <laughs> because if you, uh, because if 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 you want to develop as an athlete, you you need also to to fail, and and to just talk about that. That actually, that the vulnerable situations are sometimes those situations we also can grow in and and through. I think that also uh, is. Um, is part of it, and then it is of of course this. I mean this. I mean those vulnerable situation where you really, really are have a problem. I mean then if if you are honest about vulner your vulnerability, it might help you to seek help uh, because some vulnerability you can be stronger from, but and it's a natural part like the ski jumper who has to let go, but some some problems you uh, you actually need to seek help for and then openness about vulnerability might make it easier to to seek help so then i think uh, since there are this since it is this phenomenon about out, about sports sermons uh, i think that when the preachers actually talk about the vulnerable condition of, of being an athlete athlete and being a human, they might implicitly help the athlete sitting there to accept vulnerability and and seek help if that is what they need. Yeah. So there's this, there's almost a, a two two things going on here with vulnerability, right? So there's the, there's the vulnerability that an athlete must um, uh, experience in some way by letting go of the bar, by you know, putting oneself out there, exposing oneself to the difficulties of, of the particular uh, um, sport or, or event um, that one's trying to conquer, overcome. Uh, and then there's also the potential vulnerability in sharing about one's experiences or one's fears with a team, with a, a community of, of like-minded athletes, uh, support network of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if there's anything unique about distance running, about about running marathons that would that would maybe um, allow an athlete to experience vulnerability as strength or vulnerability as uh, something that's really uh, a, a positive feature uh, that would, would maybe be different from, let's say, uh, um, a team sport or even a, a running sprint. Mm-hmm. I guess it seems to me that in, in distance running and marathon running, uh, you know, most people enter the event knowing they're not going to win. And so that, that provides a different sort of uh, a telos or, or goal, right? Sometimes the goal is just to finish or to not hit the wall or, or whatever else. And so what a, a marathoner might be exposing oneself to is, is whether I can do it or not. In most sports, uh, we enter into the event saying, 
yeah, I know I can do it. I'm wondering how, how, how well I can do it. And I suppose that that might be a part of it as well. But I'm just wondering, Kristen, from your experiences, uh, is there something unique about marathon running, about distance running that would that would help us maybe more more specifically understand the positive elements of vulnerability? Oh, that, that, that's a really, really good, uh, good question. I think one of the special things about um, marathon running is that you uh, you do it um, by yourself um, for a long time, and and that is of course the same as in many individual uh, sporting uh, activities. Uh, the marathon running, you do it for a, quite a long time, and of course the the elite runners. They finish in in just a couple of hours. You know, they they run really fast. But for for uh, amateur runners, they run for a long time. You know, someone even runs for five hours, uh, and they are going to keep their body in motion for all these hours. So it's kind of a uh, uh, you have to uh, to keep on the motion for a very long time. So I think that is one of the the special things about both marathon running and all long distance um, running and, and, and other activities. So, and, and then it is this hitting the wall experience that so many uh, tell about and that can, can be, that is special uh, maybe for the, for marathon running and, uh, and, and this, um what we at least see that some report about or some tell about is the experience of how being brought over the wall how how being they f- someone can feel that they are carried over the wall uh through the sharing of others or uh through some music they are listening to uh and that can can for some be a transformative experience and and um, what we saw in these sermons was that for for the for some Christians it could be also a, a spiritual a Christian spiritual um, experience. But it's of course someone someone has to quit during the race. So the the experience of vulnerability is not always good. You know, for for some it can be hard. You you have to. You have to quit uh, in the middle of the race because you, you cannot just simply cannot finish. And also, then I think it's important to to have some resources with you to think about uh, what does this mean and uh, how how can I cope with those moments of life, both when I run and in other situations in life when I feel that. Okay, this didn't work. This didn't work out as I hoped it would. And I've been training for such a long time and still I couldn't finish. And, and what do you think then? And then I think uh, to, to approach one's own and others' vulnerability also with compassion uh, is important. Uh, to, to show oneself some... some uh, so mercy, uh, yeah, and compassion. I think that that's important. Yeah, I appreciate the way you said that. Um, it's really tempting in sport to take something even like vulnerability and turn it into uh, just another, in some ways, manipulative tool to try yeah. to get to the end of um, 
you know, prosperity, right? This guarantee of prosperity. So there's in this weakness, there's strength. I think there there is some possibility there in sport, but uh, we have to acknowledge that every time that you set out in sport, there's the possibility of failure. There's the possibility of losing. There's the possibility of injury. And uh, that risk in and of itself is uh, what we voluntarily engage in because uh, often it's it's the other side that we're, we're hopeful we can get. Uh, we're willing to, to pay the cost, that potential pain, to be able to experience that possible joy on the other side. And that that to me is kind of the that mixture of sport where as we talk about uh, this from a faith perspective you don't always want to take that into a well it'll it'll necessarily get you over the wall sometimes that wall will just knock you down um, and it's a it's a very important thing to acknowledge as a as a coach too I find that just this conversation athletes are hungry for this athletes mm-hmm. are interested in having conversations about their wholeness about their vulnerability. And if you open up space for them to do that, they can share and gain strength from that, uh, um, that connectedness with other athletes, with their teammates, even with opponents at times, they're really hungry for that sort of connection and openness about what this experience is. It, I often tell my athletes, like I'm really, um, you know, inspired by their willingness to uh, experience weakness, right? It, it is a, it's a real risk that uh, their peers don't take. It's a risk to be embarrassed. It's a risk to uh, take on injury. And yet they're willing to do that um, and and overcome it and do what they can to, to walk through it. So I, I like that. Um, I wonder, as we kind of bring this conversation to a close, if this this was a very unique way to get at data. You, you took old sermons, which I, I, I think was a really creative way to get uh, some information. Do you, do you have a next step with this? And, and if, if not quite yet, that's okay. I wonder if you could tell us a little more about the book as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, there were two questions there. Yeah. yeah the first, Sorry. first, first, first about the book, uh, I, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to, to participate or to have a chapter in that book. And what's interesting, um, about about this uh, this book, as you as you said um, earlier, it's called Training the Body, uh, and it's that it's about training the body both in in sports, but also in religion. So, uh, uh, Studla Stolset and I, we have been looking at uh, uh, of how um, vulnerability is is theologically interpreted uh, in marathon running. Um, but some of the chapters also look at bodily training uh, in the context of religion, like in practices of discipline, such as asceticism. Uh, and some of the chapters also have um, a comparative perspective, uh, comparing uh, the training of body in, in religion and the training of body uh, in sports. So I'm, I haven't read the book uh, um, yet because uh, it, it's not available for in before in May. But I, I, I really look forward to read it. And uh, and when it comes to the other questions, uh, we have been writing three articles now about uh, about these sermons. So I'm moving on now myself to look more about into stories about. 
lived religion and spirituality in long distance running. So I have actually exchanged <laughs> the material on my study from sermons to, to books, to biographies written by long distance runners. Uh, and that project I also uh, do together with a colleague, and this is together with uh, Doug Mardal, another colleague of mine. So that is a project I'm working on now, and hopefully we will write a book about uh, spirituality in, in long distance running. That's the plan. Well, that is something certainly for us to look forward to. That's great. And we'll have to have, when that book comes out, back on the podcast, that would be wonderful to talk to you again. It's been great to get to know you, uh, to spend a little time hearing about you and about your work. And we just really appreciate having, I think, our first Norwegian on the podcast. So thanks very much for joining us. And thank you for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the Sport Faith Life podcast. Find previous episodes at sportfaithlife.com and on Apple Podcasts. We're releasing each episode with a blog post authored by our guests. So you can find the blog for this podcast and other posts at the same website, sportfaithlife.com. Sport Faith Life.